Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right, everybody, welcome back for another episode of Secrets from Saddle, All Things Cycling Podcast. Today, we have a real amazing woman here, Anne Heed. So her and her husband, Steve, so if you've ever heard of Heed Wheels, these are are the founders. We'll be talking to Anne today about how she and her husband founded the company that has produced some of the best cycling and aerodynamic wheels on the market. So I hope you're ready for this one and here we go. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Dew. And we have the amazing and entrepreneurial lady here with us, Anne Heed, who ha- is the CEO and president and founder of Heed Cycling. Now, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar and probably seen a set of these wheels at some point in time. They're gorgeous. They're they they have deep dish. They have um, the uh, triathlon uh, set, which I'm trying to think of the um, the full dish. What is that? Um, well, the disc it, wheel. The disc, disc wheel. wheel. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I had the pleasure. I have not met Anne personally, but I did meet her, one of her. Um, I guess our representatives at Unbound Gravel it was Catherine Stewart and she was with Raish McBride and I recognized Raish. She introduced me to Catherine and that's how we were able to get Anne on the podcast. I am so excited to talk to you. Like it's great to talk to a female entrepreneur these days. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to, to chat with you and tell you the story of head cycling because it's a bit of a love story i think oh i love it so So. um now let's like the first thing i always love to ask is how you got into cycling and how it led you and your former husband steve to create the company yeah so you know we're gonna go back a few years yeah um in the early 80s uh, I was actually in college and I saw, which so many people have seen, uh, the uh, the infamous Julie Moss in the Hawaiian Ironman with her finish as she crawled across the finish line. And I think, you know, we all just saw her heroism and her ability to just get through the pain and finish that race. And I had been uh, a swimmer when I was in high school and, you know, had to bike back and forth to work. 
and was just a mediocre runner. But, you know, I had this dream of doing a triathlon. And that one in Hawaii then became the ultimate dream. So I saw that race and I decided that I wanted to try to qualify for the Hawaiian Ironman. And uh, I was fortunate enough to go to a race in Texas. And back in those days, similar to today, you have to birth your entry. It isn't just anybody <laughs> that can get into that race. Yeah. So uh, I got in a car, I'm in Minnesota, and I drove to Austin, Texas, and it was a Bud Light race. Uh, it was called that back then. And, um, and I won. So, wow. Yeah, it was, it, I had only done a couple triathlons prior to that, but uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have an entry into the Ironman. <laughs> I'm 20 years old. I have no money. I have a pathetic bike, but I have this love of this sport. So naturally strong, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, um, like I said, being a swimmer back then mm -hmm. helped quite a bit. I mean, it still helps now, but I, I didn't have that hurdle just a strong biker because I lived in Duluth, uh, Minnesota, which is infamous for their hills. And, you know, at that point, there wasn't as many women in the sport. Mm -hmm. So um, I wasn't say it was easy to win, but there wasn't the amount of women in the sport. Yeah. So, um, so I thought, okay, how am I going to get to this race now? So uh, a friend of mine told me about this guy named Steve Head. And Steve had owned a bike shop. Uh, and I went into his shop, and there he was, barefoot, shirtless, you know, loose ball. <laughs> I was saying, hair. hot. No, is he? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. So, so it wasn't love at first sight. Um, but um, I said, a friend of mine said you would give me the $100. That's what it cost to enter the Iron Man back then. It's gone up quite a bit since then um and so you know he wrote me out a check and wow and uh said here and then you know we became friends you know and he he gave me my first like nice bike um which was a a mixy basso that had a down tube for women um and you know we we just became friends uh we both were dating others at the time but you know we both knew that we had something special together. So, mm -hmm. you know, we ended up um, starting to date. And I then was picked up by a team called Mizuno. So Mizuno had Julie Moss on it. Uh, oh, this wow. Was, yeah. So Scott Molina. And um, I started racing the tri-circuit. And Stephen uh, saw Francisco Mosier who is still alive, uh, set the hour record on double disc wheels. So back then there wasn't a lot of aerodynamic products out there, mm -hmm. but Steven had a love of Italian racing and speed. So he saw this record getting broken and he saw that the full disc wheels were uh, like $6,000, which is an absolute fortune mm -hmm. for wheels. And he did not have an engineering background, but he had made water skis. So he went in his garage. He made uh, a wheel, a disc wheel, a solid wheel. And a friend in his had the first one. He gave the second one to me. 
So I had a disc wheel and I was on this team, Mizuno, and Scott Molina said, where'd you get that? And I'm like, well, my <laughs> friend made it. <laughs> and he said, well, I want one. So, so we made one for him. And Scott Molina, depending on how many folks remember that name, uh, listening to the podcast, won everything. Like in the early 80s, there was Scott Molina, Mark Allen, Scott Tinley, and Dave Scott. He was one of the four. And um, all of a sudden, people wanted this disc wheel. So he had a shop. Um, I was racing and... Um, very little money, both of us. And I saw that there was a car for the first prize in a race in Vermont. <gasps> this is in the eighties. This is Yeah. 80s. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> so, um, so I got, got on a plane, flew there and, you know, somebody phoned me a house day like they still do today. And I, I was in Brattleboro, Vermont and it was a, kind of a different race it was a swim run bike um but if you beat a predetermined time on the in the race you want a car so um like a finishing time yes yeah you had to win the race and you had to win it in a certain time so i remember being on the bike and i just remember being so close to that time limit but i came across the finish line i think five minutes ahead of the time so i want a car Wow. Oh my God, that's awesome. It was. It still is just a dream for me. It was a Subaru. Um, oh, geez. With a top, like a top car, like a, a good uh, quality car. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, you know, I brought it back home and um, <laughs> Stephen said, well, we're, we need more to make more of these, these wheels. They're becoming more popular. So I went to imagine me 21 years old walking to banks you know with a bike wheel saying i need money for this and getting turned down of course which is normal but one banker <laughs> said to me well, what do you what do you have and i said well i have a car and a bike and he said well you do you own the car and i'm like well i just want it so i gave him the title of the car and he gave me fourteen thousand dollars <gasps> Boy, that's a lot of money back then. Yeah, yeah. It still is. So, uh, so I took the money and gave it to Steve, and we started head cycling together. What? Okay. Wow. So you started this out of his, I guess you said, garage. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of a lot of dreams, like cycling shops, start out of garages. Sure. And I just. Uh, progress to so then how did it it, like how did it start rolling like you got this money you started the company together I guess that's the start of your relationship together or did that start before um we we didn't get married right away so we um you know we decided that we would start a business and back then there was you know way different ways of doing business. I mean, we had, Mm -hmm. I had no idea there was UPS that would come and pick up at your house. I mean, imagine that or FedEx, whatever. So, you know, we would make one wheel out of time and, you know, we would then go to bike shows back then, you know, there was, it was called Interbike and people would start seeing our product. Isn't that still, that still exists though, Interbike, doesn't it? Um, No, not anymore. No, okay. No. 
Um, there's other, there's, you know, like Sea Otter now is probably the biggest. US oh, okay. One. Right. But it's, this is different. So, you know, it just kind of became word of mouth. There wasn't, you know, the inner one at, there was, you know, races that we'd go to, you know, maybe the first year we made 30 wheels, the second year we made a hundred wheels. And then, you know, the phones started ringing more and more. Um, we started just getting more and more athletes wanting our wheels and bike shops. There really wasn't another, I would say, similar wheel on the market, you know, so we were fortunate in it. Um, we did get a phone call from this kid in Texas, uh, and he said he was going to be a big bike racer. So, you know, coming from a background of having to ask for sponsorship, which is really hard, you know, mm -hmm. to still do, I could kind of hear something in the voice of this young man. Uh, and so I sent him a wheel, uh, and he broke it, you know, so I'm like, wait a minute, you know, this is a young kid breaking wheels. Um, and so I sent him another wheel and started giving him some money to, to get some feedback. And it turned out to be Lance Armstrong. <laughs> I was just, I was like, what are the odds of it being lax? You said Texas. Yeah. Right. Yep. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, obviously he went on to race and, and mm -hmm. win a lot of races. I know different people have different perspectives, but, um, you know, he was able to use our product and wanted to use our product and kept our decal on it. So, you know, that opened the door to uh, a whole nother world for us uh, using our product. Um, but we, we materialized from a solid disc wheel in 1990. We knew we needed a front wheel that was arrow. So you cannot right. ride front disc. So right. we invented and patented a kind of the first toroidal shape, the first deep 60 millimeter wheel that most mm. wheels are like today. So uh, we were really at the forefront of the aerodynamics and we went to a wind tunnel in Texas, A&M, and tested and brought riders in there. So we were really known for pushing the envelope in aerodynamics, but also working with athletes. Were you able to do that kind of testing when you started your disc wheel or was it more just on word of mouth? Like, did you do any of that aerodynamics testing to know that it the disc wheel was very effective well we we knew that i mean a solid wheel in mm -hmm. a shape that we use which is curved we we knew a structure like that would be faster than any right. spoked wheel so that that was a for sure thing we worked with some uh steven and i worked with another uh engineer to design the shape of mm -hmm. a 60 millimeter front and then bringing that to the wind tunnel to test it. And that's where we knew that it had the. Like the, the couple, the two, the two wheels together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jeez. So how did it move on from that? So you have six years, so 84 to 90, you just had your disc wheel and then you produced a wheel, a second wheel. So now you had two wheels. Right. And then where did it go from there? Well, we decided to get married in 1990, so, you know, yeah, I don't know, you know, it's funny because, you know, we always knew we would get married, but we just decided we should actually get married. So in 1990, we got married, introduced what we called the, the first toroidal shaped 
deeper composite wheel. And, um, you know, we also were very inventive and we invented like one of the very first behind the seat water bottle cages. We called it tails, get it head tails, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, we invented a arrow water bottle, um, and it ended up getting outlined because it was too arrow, you know, probably today it would probably be fine. Uh, but then we started pushing the envelope into other more affordable ways to manufacture carbon wheels. So the first toroidal shape wheel was pretty much all very structural carbon and uh, alloy. So we came out with what's called the Jet Series, which is basically an aluminum rim with a carbon fairing. And that then jumped and made a leap into more sales because it was just more affordable. Mm-hmm. And more so that- people would would ride that type of wheel over a disc wheel. Yeah, and we we then took a 60 millimeter wheel and decided, okay, well, it's windy and Kona, you don't always want a 60 millimeter. So we invented a 40 millimeter. And then we decided we needed a 90 millimeter because we put that on the back. So it, it kind of is the whole lineup of the uh, the jet lineup. And it, we actually still make all those wheels in some shape or form today, depending on the course, obviously, and the winds, we have quite a bit of differences right. we can do. So do you produce all of your wheels in the United States now? Everything that we um, mold in carbon fiber is made white here in Minnesota. So we have the belief that we want to keep all of our trade circuits in-house here. Right. So mm-hmm. we do all of the carbon molding in in Minnesota, yes. So the alloy wheels that we introduced later, because some people uh, want aluminum, so we do mm-hmm. not uh, get that made here in the U.S. We get the rims extruded overseas and then bring them here, but we do all of the um, the assembly here for alloy. Right. Okay, so you just bring the rims and then you put the spokes together with the hubs right. and everything. Yep. Ah, Wow. That is, you know, I I love hearing that they're in-house because I just know so many others that, you know, produce them and they come from Taiwan or, you know, and then they put their labels on them. And so that's, that's a really big plus for your product that everybody, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm super proud of that. I think, um, Mm. you know, a lot of our carbon's woven here right in the U.S. And I think that we can really control everything so you know Mm -hmm. when we introduce a wheel or we sit down and figure out what what we're going to make you know we have everything in house from the raw materials to a five axis cnc which is a, a machine that can make the mold so we don't only mold it we machine everything so we start from a drawing in CAD. So I have engineers and other folks that take that conceptual idea, turn it into a drawing, put it into a CNC machine, cut the aluminum to make the mold, then mold it all in-house, finish it. You know, everything we do here in Minnesota is pretty green. We do not do any paint. So correct. A lot of the wheels made overseas, and I'm not going to say they're bad because they're fine. You know, aerodynamically, Mm -hmm. they're similar some, but uh, ours are still, you know, 
really the fastest because we have patents to prove that. But a lot of people don't understand that the wheels that they're buying on their bike that are made overseas, you know, are painted. So you don't always know what's in them. And they look like oh. ours. So um, ours so come you, out of the mold. See, where you might think that you're getting carbon wheels, you might not necessarily be getting carbon wheels. Is that what you're saying? Or, or you're getting something similar to Similar. Carbon. Yeah. Or the, you know, so you can actually see the, all the weave of our carbon. Um, and um, I think that besides that, we have all the in-house testing equipment. So before we put a wheel on the market, it mm -hmm. has to pass very rigorous testing. Mm -hmm. So we have a machine that we put it on that we run several miles on with simulated cobblestones and bumps we have a, a lean test we have a greenhouse to see what heat does to it we have the impact we have it all in house so that we really can take the extra uh, amount of time to make sure that our wheels are fast and safe yeah it also speeds up the time to going back to the drawing board you know you go test it doesn't work okay let's go and so you don't have that downtime where like you'd have to send things off. And I love that about your company. It's, it's really, it's really relieving to know that, you know, there are still really good quality, um, cycling companies that are doing everything in like in house, like you said, and, uh, you know, keeping, um, also, you know, just hiring and, and keeping your team here too, where you don't, like you just produce everything and send it off. Yeah. So I think another thing that, you know, makes us stand out a bit is that over 35% of the workforce is female. So, you know, that is rare, Yay. you know, yeah. in, in the manufacturing. And we have, you know, a very diverse group of folks that work alongside me and my other staff, which is very welcoming. Uh, and, you know, it's just very reassuring that, you know, we have the ability to hire people, pay a livable wage, you know, provide insurance here, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in the U.S. is very expensive and, you know, other ancillary products of, you know, retirement plans and such like that. So, you know, it is um, probably part of the reason why some of our products you may pay a little bit more for because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have to uh, live. We have to be right. able to provide for other people where I think some of the other companies, again, coming out of uh, overseas where everything comes in a box complete and you don't mm -hmm. really understand, you know, if you call, you're going to get somebody picking up the phone and welcoming you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't have we do have voicemail, but you know, there is, it, it goes through a tree and we try to make sure that a human picks it up before it goes to voicemail. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's really important that, uh, it also keeps your clients happy, you know, good clients, your staff happy and around for a long time. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about like lots of, uh, you know, turnover. So can you share with us anything else? Because I know that you're on a time crunch and I just want to say that I'm super grateful to have you here. But if you is there anything you want to share with us that's maybe coming up next year for 2024 that you're going to surprise us with? Um, uh, are there, do you have new athletes that you're uh, 
now working with? Um, yeah, we'd love to know. Sure. So, you know, we had a big year last year. So uh, we introduced the 180 at the Hawaiian Ironman last year. So we uh, were able to take an idea that I had of making a very deep wheel uh, for the Hawaiian Ironman. So uh, within 45 days, we took an idea to a product and hand delivered it to uh, about five or six men and women over in Kona and that wheel broke the race course record um, wow. by six minutes but again being able to do everything in-house was mm -hmm. a bit of a miracle if I were to go back to my staff this time of year and say okay we're going to do that again they would probably walk <laughs> <laughs> out because um, that was the biggest timeline that was probably one of the most craziest things I've done at owning this company is saying we're going to get an idea and a new product out in 45 days from start to finish. Uh -huh. um, so that that was um, a huge boost for the company last year because, you know, it, it set the course record by right. a lot, you know. Um, yeah. So we um, have Gravel Worlds coming up, Big Sugar, oh, Sugar. See, I was going to ask, like, because you've talked a lot about triathlon now are you're migrating as well into the gravel world because you don't do di disc wheels on the gravel what do you what are you offering for gravel you got gravel worlds yeah so you know a lot of people don't know this but um my late husband steve's family grew up on a farm in Minnesota and a lot of his ideas came from riding bike off-road or on the on gravel <laughs> So farm roads. So farm roads. Uh, yep. <laughs> so we actually invented kind of the widest rim uh, oh. that hadn't been done before in alloy in uh, gosh around 2010. So then we we made the plus rim, which was 23 millimeters wide, a few years after that, and then we made the 25 plus alloy rim and carbon rim after that. So we really were the first to go wider in the industry. Um, it is our Ardennes lineup or Belgium in the road. And then we, about four years ago, introduced a wheel after the town of Emporia. So we have a wheel uh, called the Emporia Rim. Nice. <laughs> specifically for gravel. So uh -huh. we have made a hookless um, gravel wide wheel for several years now. So we have mm. been in that space. There was a company that was at, uh, cause I went, cause as you know, I went to, uh, I competed at, uh, Unbound. I did the Excel and, uh, I, I know I'm going back. So yes. I like, I've got to, no. I missed the cutoff, uh, by an hour on the last cutoff. So I missed finishing by 45 miles. So, Ugh. and I was completely like, it wasn't like I was spent or anything. They told us to get off the course. So I was uh, like, and then, and then uh, I saw somebody finish and I was like, even, <laughs> I was like, uh, what? <laughs> Anyways, but, um, there was somebody there, there was a company, they were just renting space and they had a, um, what you said, a hookless rim. As yeah, well. most of them are. I mean, when you get to the wider gravel rims, okay. a lot of them are hookless. Um, like I said, we've had a wheel on the market for called the Emporia for three or four years now, I think. But 
you know, going back to Emporia and Unbound, I was there this year. And obviously, you're right. We were Rach McBride's uh, pit. And I think... Oh, you were. Um, oh, I didn't realize that you were her pit. Oh, my God. Yes. That's awesome. So, you know, I... I had signed up to maybe do a, the short one, but I had a little injury. So I, along with Catherine and Andy Tetmeyer, we went on the head van and, you know, the very first pit stop at 40 miles in, we're waiting for Rach to come. And this is kind of a funny story. So I, uh, you know, this gentleman came rolling up on his bike just desperate uh, he had broke a spoke on a wheel you know it wasn't our wheel but he was like i will give you anything <laughs> give me a wheel like and we're like well we can't give you these wheels these are rach's backup wheels but andy bless his heart took the wheel off of his bike oh and, uh it was it was in it had passed most prototyping stages but he was riding it so we said here you go and uh you know we we helped him get going again and then we saw Rach again. Oh gosh, I think it was at the hundred and something stop. And you know, it had rained. It was horrible. People were dropping out. And here I see this guy rolling by, and I'm like, okay, he's made it a hundred and plus. But I think what was so amazing is that, as being a pit in our van, we had to go back and get somebody because they had fallen, and we were picking up people along the way one person was sick we gave him a ride another lady couldn't fix her fat we fixed her flat another guy didn't have a tube so <laughs> you know we're, we're and then another one of the top pros dad didn't have oil for something and so we were we were really helping everybody out you know it wasn't just rage and um i think that was more fun I don't want to say it wasn't fun helping Rach. It was. But <laughs> she I had her own little, because I interviewed her after as well, and she had her own thing going on with her tires and everything. But Yeah, Rach had <laughs> lost some air pressure, and we had to put all new tires on Rach's bike. But I got to the finish line, and, you know, it was horrible, as you know, the weather, and I yeah. don't need to tell you how horrible it was. Yeah. But I saw this this man come by who we had given the wheel to um and he had absolute gratitude like what can i do for you is there anything i can do for you and i'm like no no i'm glad and he goes okay i know you're not going to take money from me but is there a nonprofit i can donate to and so oh. um so i gave him the name of free bike for kids which i uh, love helping out and lo and behold Tuesday he came back from that event and already was working on getting uh, this nonprofit a donation and why I say that is as I sit here right now and we've just had the Maui fires and mm -hmm. the Big Island fires uh, we are actually running a special where we are going to have the proceeds of a specific wheel that 180 wheel that we sent to and debuted at Kona with the jet wheel uh, to help the victims of uh, of the recent wildfires. So we really believe in giving back also to the community. Yeah, I did see that on I think it was uh, I think it was TikTok mm. when I was looking through your socials that you were. Uh, so for for everybody who's listening, um, if where are you taking donations? Oh no, sorry. If you purchase one of the set of wheels right That's then right. part so which set again 
It's, it's the, the Jet series. The yes. Jet series. So, yeah. so any one of the Jet series. Yep. Then part of that will go to um, the charity that they're or the fundraising they're doing for Hawaii. And you can check that out on the descriptions going to their TikTok account. I didn't see it on Instagram. Maybe it's on your stories, but I just saw the post on TikTok uh, with more of the details. So if you're considering buying a set of wheels from Head, then this is probably the best time and you can actually help the charity as well. So do we have stuff for next year? Are oh, you going to be right. back to Unbound? Uh, absolutely. We're going to be oh, back. Good. You know, we, um, we're looking at introducing some new gravel wheels. So those are coming down the pipeline. Uh, and, you know, we're always innovating. So we have um, some other wheels. You know, it's, it's hard to reinvent a wheel, but mm -hmm. we've got some other hookless designs coming out also. So, cool. you know, just have to stay tuned. And we do have on our website right now a link to the uh, the wheels that we will be doing and helping out the wildflower folks. But, um, you know, it's just it's just what you need to do in this day and age. Yeah. You know, it's it's important. Mm -hmm. It's definitely important to give back. Uh, there's lots of stuff happening uh, around the world. I don't know if you've heard about uh, yellow, uh, yellow knife. They're evacuating up and up here in Canada. They're yes. evacuating like 20,000 people by yeah. today noon mm. from Yellowknife because of forest fires. Yeah, so. unfortunately, we do get those, the smoke, you know, because we're in Minnesota. So we, You're right. we have been recipients of the devastation also down here just because of the air quality. And I think today we're on alert also. Are you? The, wow. The, the, uh, the smoke coming down. I know. I just, I just, so sad, you yeah. know. Well, let's go on a positive note. I hope everybody, right. <laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed uh, this episode. I am certainly really grateful to have have you on the podcast, and I look forward to meeting you in person when back it unbound because I am going to be back there to cl close up my Strava link. <laughs> my strava my strava um for the uh the course but um i really do appreciate having you on here and uh any last words i was like any last, last words oh my gosh um <laughs> you know it's just uh, a real blessing that i was able to talk about my story and mm -hmm. you know the adversities everybody goes through and the ups and downs in life but i just keep falling forward so let's just one foot in front of the other and hopefully I can meet some of the folks listening to this either at Unbound or I'm going or to Gravel Kona Worlds. or Kona? Gravel World Kona yeah. uh, and who knows about next year so I can't plan that far ahead I'm just kind of spur of the moment so we'll <laughs> I know you got lots of things to do this afternoon so we'll just uh, finish it up and uh, thank everybody so make sure that you follow on their socials everything's in uh the description and i think it's just head cycling h-e-d on a straight across the board twitter instagram youtube uh linkedin and also follow the podcast on instagram and youtube so thank you very much and have yourself an amazing day and everybody make sure you ride your bike take, take care, care. All right, friends, well, there you have it. 
That's an amazing story from Anne. I love the fact that everything is US made. You can't find very many companies that are that keep everything in house and um, produce all their products and test their products in house, which is amazing. So it just goes say like she says, they might be a bit more expensive, but that is why the quality is there, the testing is there, the science is there, and that's why they're top quality uh, brands. But I'm super excited. I'm going to have to keep an eye out for their new gravel wheels as they come out next year. And I have heard of the new hookless um, when I was at uh, Unbound and uh, that was pretty interesting stuff to see those wheels and um, so knowing that there's other companies out there like Heed and um, I'm always a supporter of uh, family run uh, corp like family run businesses I don't know if you are but put in the comments if you are if you go out of your way to um, purchase and support local or in-country companies like Heed. Everything's made in, in the U.S. And uh, so love to know your feedback and we're love to know if you go out of your way to buy local and be local and Maybe your favorite local company that you purchased uh, cycling products for. Because maybe I just might reach out to them and ask them to be a guest on the podcast. So with that, thank you so much. Don't forget to subscribe and put the notifications on on our YouTube channel so you don't miss another episode. And subscribe on Bcast. You can do that uh, through uh, secrets from the saddle podcast.ca you can sign up to the newsletter well the letter that will let you know every time a episode is launched so thanks everybody have an amazing day and we'll see you on the episode thank you so much for spending this time with me on the secrets from the saddle podcast learning more about sighting people places and things that make cycling such an exciting sport I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.